Uh, hold on. So did I you really, say fighting you just pickle? Just gonna drop fighting pickle and not explain that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to WNC Original Music, episode 145, the most common chord progression episode. Excited this week to have one of my favorites back on the podcast, two of my favorites actually, the Brown Mountain Lightning Bugs. The Brown Mountain Lightning Bugs are Zach and Kendra Harding. They are a married duo and sometimes a band. I don't think the whole band is married. Uh, That's none of my business. But they are from North Carolina, and they have kind of a folkish sound to them. In fact, their most recent album is called Folk-ish. But they have just a really uh, varied style that I think everyone can love. You can find them and their music at brownmountainlightningbugs.com and, of course, at uh, Bandcamp and all the streaming sites. They've got a new single out now. Uh, The official title is I Don't Miss Those Days. But um, in kind of a Baba O'Reilly, Teenage Wasteland uh, type situation, the fans have taken to calling the uh, single, You Got That Top Down Booty. But of course, uh, if you want to look for it by the official name, that's called I Don't Miss Those Days uh, by the Brown Mountain Lightning Bugs. And here they are, Kendra and Zach Harding, the Brown Mountain Lightning Bugs.
fun one. Um, a few years ago, there was an author here in the, the Piedmont area named Steve Mitchell, and I just through happenstance saw that he had put out a call on Facebook for artists to submit to be a part of his book soundtrack. Uh, he was writing his first novel, Cloud Diary, and I thought that sounded like a really cool opportunity to plug in with some other musicians as well as uh, just do something really different and fun. And so he emailed me back and sent me a 500-word excerpt from the book. And I, I wasn't sure what to do with it at first because he sent me a part that was kind of challenging um, in terms of subject matter. And... So I mulled it over and really thought about about what I what I wanted to say with this, how I wanted to interpret this section of the book. And he kind of gave us free reign to do whatever. There were people who were, you know, blues musicians, um, an avant-garde saxophonist, a guy who does ambient music. So there were all kinds of people taking different spins on the on the the project. A fellow. Fighting Pickle, Derek Arnold was on it as well, um, and uh, hold on. So I really did you say you just gonna pickle drop Fighting Pickle and not explain that? <laughs> <laughs> the Fighting Pickles. Uh, so the UNC School of the Arts, formerly just the School of the Arts, NC School of the Arts, um, doesn't have sports teams because arts. Uh, and so they, back in the 60s when the school was founded, they thought it would be funny to just go ahead and have a mascot anyway. They did some, like, intramural stuff, but no, like, official sports teams. And somebody jokingly submitted Fighting Pickle, and that became oh. that became the mascot. I did um, <laughs> And they have a good logo and, like, little image of it and everything. <laughs> and now, you know, you can look it up. You can right. find... 
His name is Peter, and I have known I have known who who really is the pickle on several occasions. Uh, I I've known the mascots because I've I've been present as they're getting into the costume. So uh, so first of all, this is wonderful on all levels. But uh, one level you might not realize at the end of each episode of the podcast, after the last song plays, I wait like twenty seconds and then just have a little bit of nonsense from some other episode. Uh, it's just someone saying I could have screamed all night or something like that. So I'm just gonna have you saying I've known who the pickle is, and then that's it. You know, but not on this episode. <laughs> Someone else's episode. I will, I will be listening yeah, for it. Yeah. I will be, I will be waiting for yeah. my my true claim you, to fame. When you least expect it, get ready. When I least expect it. Yeah. Um, I want a fighting so he, pickles or fighting pickle T-shirt. Did they, I got, yeah, I know. They do. Oh god, I gotta get. They one of do. Those. They've got the merch. Um, so. Yeah, my approach to writing this was uh, I wanted to. Oh yeah, I forgot we were talking about music for a second. <laughs> yeah, now now we're now we're back on back on, the, on the song. What I wanted to say, I wanted to take the concept that was being talked about, which is a a, a heavy and challenging one, but but present it in a way that was not you know punching you in the face with it or or making it overt. Um, but that you still understand what what it's about. And so I locked into the idea of... So I don't want to spoil the book in case anyone go- goes to read it. But I locked into one particular theme and built the song out from there. Um, and it, it's... Broadly, it's about watching someone you care about... Um, struggle with a terminal illness um and and all of the emotions that that go along with that and so as you're watching this person change from physically from the person you knew them to be they they don't look like they used to their behavior is different they don't have the strength they used to and so i wanted to to dig into that a little more um as well as show with compassion that person's perspective um so this is another kind of heavier heavier topic um but i think my goal was to represent that story the the story of cloud diary in a way that somebody who's not living the story that those characters are living but is living something similar can hear the song and relate to it and understand and, and hopefully find some sort of solace or relief in in it. Uh, what's the name of the book? Cloud Diary. Cloud Diary. They cling to 
of songs about trees and leaves and things like that and I think that's because being from the mountains of North Carolina that's like uh, such a big part of our culture both when the when the tourists come in and just like being you know, somebody who goes out and hikes in the woods I love going hiking we both do uh, that's part of the main reason we want to move back to that area of North Carolina but um, so I've written a lot of songs about trees and leaves and things and um, one day I saw this this leaf that like all the rest of the leaves on this tree was were gone, you know, and they had been gone for a, 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 a while. But this one leaf was still hanging on with the wind blowing and everything. And that's like one of those kind of silly little things that like, uh, I don't know, it doesn't mean really a whole lot, but I tried to make it mean a whole lot in, in the context of the song. Um, and then kind of apply that to, to, you know, myself and other people. Like I, so I've, I had, uh, cancer when I was 24 and it almost killed me and so like me kind of going through that and like being this leaf that was still hanging on in the blowing wind but then applying that to a, a song and to hopefully that in a way that other people could relate to it as well I like the sound of this you know uh, even though you said you don't want to be the bluegrass guy uh, I should not lead with this song because it's you know it has that bluegrass but like a, um, 
uh, kind of casual bluegrass, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the mm-hmm. band just sounds bluegrass, but you know, you have kind right. of more of a singer songwriter uh, voice, but also the harmonies are just a little bit bluegrass. Like you, like oh, yeah. maybe one uh, like falsetto away from being a bluegrass harmony, you know, right. but it, it just touches on that enough. So you get the best of bluegrass without the kind of, for me, sometimes annoying, you know, over trebled uh, bluegrass. So really well. Done oh yeah. There. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I like bluegrass. There's a lot of the uh, big bluegrass guys like like Tony Rice who recently passed away. I love Tony Rice. I've seen uh, well, uh, one of my favorites is Steep Canyon Rangers. So like I'm I'm I like bluegrass, but my uh, so there's there's the thing is as a banjo player there's there's two styles that everybody plays, and one of them is the three finger Scrugg style named after Earl Scruggs, and that's like this really like the ding 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 mm-hmm. like the, the typical what thing you associate with banjo. And then the other way that people play is an old folk style, which is like old time music, which is more of the thumb and finger thing. Is and that I, what you were I'm, talking about when you were talking about the bass, kind of the bass thumping? Yeah, and it's it's a little it's a mixture of that and and the bass thing, but yeah, it's definitely more of a, a thumb and finger thing, and it's a little less fast. But um, I know I, I definitely try to throw some bluegrass influence in. I just not like uh, I'm not strictly a bluegrass player at all. I hated this song 
until, until I heard the recording of it, um, listening back to the mixes. Um, I, so I used to go to New York every summer for training at Carnegie Hall for the Lullaby Project. So they have a big, like, symposium every year, which, so the Lullaby Project, not to get off on a tangent. Um, oh, that's good. Is, you can go off on any tangents you want to, by the way. Great. Yeah. I'm good at those. All right. uh, I Here, I'll help. What is the Lullaby Project? Thanks. <laughs> hey. uh, so, Lullaby Project is a program started by Carnegie Hall, and it's run independently throughout the U.S. Uh, every year. And it's where they pair teaching artists and musicians with mothers, sometimes fathers, most of the time mothers, um, who are in uh, high need situations or historically marginalized communities um, or people who just are in situations where they're they're very very stressed so they've had some that were in homeless homeless shelters and homeless um, long-term stay areas as well as uh, the first one was actually at Rikers Island women's prison um, and so there's they're just kind of all over the place in terms of uh, what what populations they serve. Um, but I have done it here in Winston-Salem through a couple different organizations, um, and we mostly work with mothers who are either pregnant or have small children um, who are in uh, kind of high, high need or, or marginalized communities. Um, and we just work with them to write lullabies for their babies and children. Um, and it's it's a lot of fun. We've we we had to kind of go on hiatus for 2020 and now 2021. Hopefully we get back to it in the future. Um, but I would go there every summer for training and I was up there one one day one night and uh, coming back from training to go to where I was staying in Brooklyn and I looked out the window of the cab that I was in and the moon was like deep red and just massive and so I just typed into my phone for later red moon in Brooklyn um, and came back to came back to those lyrics and I wanted it to be kind of a not a breakup song but kind of an acknowledgement that things were not working between two people. And that's that's ultimately what it was. And I was listening to a lot of Tom Waits at the time, so I actually wrote it on piano, which I never play in our band. Um, but it, it made me write differently. It made me write my chord progression very differently and go for a progression I wouldn't naturally slide into on the guitar. So something I wouldn't I wouldn't habitually go to uh, the way I would on guitar because I, I think differently when I'm playing piano than I, than I do when I'm playing guitar, um, and so I think the chord progression for me I was I was proud of myself because I did not just slap a capo on there and play G C E minor and D, <laughs> which is kind of my default, um, but but yeah so I think this one was an exercise in in stretching myself because uh i liked it when i first wrote it and then i hated it and then i hated it for a really long time and it took it took zach and i don't know if you're familiar with the band fibian 
uh, but Trevor from Fibian, it took the two of them several months to convince me to like this song. <laughs> to leave it on the album, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, I wanted to cut I wanted to cut it initially um, after the first couple mixes, but then Wayne uh, at Sedgwick Studios, who is also Zach's brother, uh, we have a lot of connections to the <laughs> the Hindo and Asheville scene, um, but he tweaked a few things and and I I quit quit hating it and started uh, appreciating my own writing. It was the struggle. More from the Brown Mountain Lightning Bugs in just a few moments. I want to remind you that you can find their music at all the streaming services and also at brownmountainlightningbugs.com. Also, uh, look for their YouTube channel. Uh, That's very entertaining. They put out a lot of really cool videos. And also follow them on TikTok. Uh, Look for them there. They put out a lot of really uh, interesting uh, TikTok videos. I don't know if you're supposed to call them TikTok videos or just TikToks. Probably doesn't matter. Hi, this is Mike Koya. Thanks for checking out my new song, Feel For You. It's a song that means a lot to me. I hope you enjoy it. Tell me how can I love when the pain's so strong? When the pain's so Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, WNC Original Music, wherever you get your podcasts, or go to wncoriginalmusic.com, or just tell your smart speaker to play WNC Original Music. Sometimes you have to say, play podcast WNC Original Music. Sometimes you have to have a real, like a 20-minute argument with it, in my experience. But it'll get, you'll get it done. I trust you. Hi, this is Ben Mackle of Threadbare, and you're listening to Western North Carolina Original Music. Talk a little bit about the um, recording of the album. Was this all recorded the uh, same place, different places? So, um, in what was it? it was 20, yeah, 2019, I sold two motorcycles. And we used that money from those two motorcycles uh, to buy some recording equipment to record from home with. And so, for this album, uh, we wanted to do most of it from home. So like 60-70% of it is from home. The most the, the vocals are all from home. The Most of the, gu- the guitar work, other than a little bit of it, was from home. Um, but then we went to my the studio that my brother works at, Sedgwick Studios in Hendersonville, to record the, uh, the drums and bass uh, for the second half of the album. I recorded the first half from here. But um, anyway, so most of it was from home. But we don't have the ability to do drums from here, so that's why we use the studio for some of that.
string budget you don't even have enough money to buy drums for home that's how bad the shoestring is yeah yeah uh or the ability to play them right yeah. um yeah. My, my, my brother is a fantastic drummer and he's the drummer on the album but yeah putting me on a drum set is not a good situation um so shoestring budget is a true story uh my friend who plays guitar on the album who's a really fantastic guitarist he plays a lot of the lead guitar on the second half of the album um he one day his his parents had bought him a really nice Telecaster guitar, like a like a twelve hundred thirteen hundred dollar guitar, and he was so cheap, even though he had this really nice guitar, that when he needed a guitar strap, he started taking a set of shoestrings off an old shoe to try to make a guitar strap out of. And I was like, "Are you kidding me, man? You're literally on a shoestring budget." And with this really nice guitar. And so, of course, I ragged him about it and ragged him about it and eventually uh, turned it into a song. And that now that one is also on banjo. The main part of that song is banjo, and it's an electric banjo. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just like a banjo, but electric. Yeah. And it's all using that, that slap technique uh, that I was talking about. Um, and so I just wrote this really silly song that when we first started playing it, it was a joke. We we had no intention of putting it on the album. And then it ended up being the first track of the, the second side because we wanted a song that stood out the most from what was on the first side. And so that was Shoestring Budget. I like that I like that song because, uh, well, first of all, this, this is one of those I was like, this is my favorite because it's very, very poppy, upbeat. I was out driving around mm-hmm. in nice weather while I was listening to it. Um, I had a lot. I had a beer in one hand, uh, uh, but um, <laughs> but I did like uh, when I heard that, and, and this is I think a tribute to your um, versatility on banjo. 
but I heard that and it, and I didn't notice at first that it was banjo because that's like a that's a guitar mm-hmm. part you're playing. You know, I'm like, right, oh, right. but that's that's not that's banjo, but it, it's not mm-hmm. like uh, at all bluegrass or even folk sounding. Right. It's like if if mm-hmm. banjos were just normally in you know uh, rock bands, this is what they right. would be playing. You know, not yeah, not yeah. the little three finger thing you were talking about. It's a good job. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much. That's absolutely in, the intention of it. And a lot of times if we're playing a show and people are getting like, I don't know, they're kind of sleepy or something, you know, they're not really uh, feeling the, the quieter, folkier sort of songs. We'll bust that one out. And as soon as I t- turn that wah pedal on, it just there's a certain type of dude out there in the audience that as soon as you crack that wah pedal open, <laughs> yeah. they're just like they're on it from there on. Yeah. And uh, most people have never seen a banjo with a wah pedal, so that's 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 kind of fun to do. <laughs> I'd also like to take a moment to plug the music video for this song. Uh, it, it was one of those things where we adjusted last minute our plans for it, and we ended up shooting it uh, and editing it all in one week. We shot it all ourselves, did everything at home with two dogs who are being very well behaved right now. I'm surprised we've made it this long without a, a conniption. Don't jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, we had the the biggest, most fun time making that music video. So if you're on the YouTubes, it's out there. Go check it out. Shoestring Budget by the Brown Mountain Lightning Bug. Blue. Rocky. 
something that irritates me a lot when I see a movie or a TV show is when the the guy is talking to his lady or or whatever, you know, and he says, "You're the same woman I fell in love with 30 years ago," or "You're the same woman I fell in love with 10 years ago," or whatever. And I think that's so totally wrong. I think that like people need to change together. And like if she's the same person she was exactly 30 years ago. Uh, that means she hasn't grown, you know, and probably you haven't either. So I wanted to kind of flip that on its head. And usually if you hear in a show and someone says, you're not, you're not the same person I fell in love with, that's usually like an attack, right? So I wanted to use that line as the first line of the song to flip it on its head that not being the same person you were 30 years ago or whatever is a good thing. And so from there, that's how that song was written. And the, the my favorite aspect of it is that she plays an instrument called a melodica on it, which is a uh, it's like a little keyboard that you blow into, and oh, yeah. uh, that's the kind of goofy sound that you hear in between the uh, verses. It's a great goofy instrument. Okay, I want to thank the Brown Mountain Lightning Bugs, Zach and Kendra, for being on the show. Really, uh, check out this um, album they have. It's called Folkish. It's available on all the streaming sites and, as I said, on their website, brownmountainlightningbugs.com. Every song is better than the previous song. But if you listen to it backwards, every song is better than the one after it. So uh, it's some kind of paradox they got going there. The Brown Mountain Lightning Bugs are playing live uh, just about weekly or a couple times a week, I think, now. So check them out. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook to find out where they're going to be playing next. Uh, It's a really good show. I think you'll really enjoy it wherever you see them. Look in the show notes for where to find them and their music. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, WNC Original Music, wherever you get your podcast. And there are links in the show notes. And I talk about it all the time. And uh, wherever you got this episode that you're listening to, you can probably subscribe. You know, just just a podcast. You You can find it. If you send me an email and specifically say, will you remind me every week? Uh, when the podcast comes out and send me a link to it i will do that but right now i i do not have like a email mailing list because uh, i'm just not that kind of person yet i will be soon though working on it that email address is wncoriginalmusic at gmail.com so you can send those requests for reminders about the episodes or any other kind of request to be on the show or uh, anything like that questions or uh, suggestions or condemnations anything like that Oh, I forgot to do uh, corrections and clarifications. Corrections and clarifications from last week's episode with Stevie Tombstone. Um, A grinder and a spucky are both types of submarine sandwiches, so we were both right. The closing song this week comes from Cosette Gobet. Cosette is a singer-songwriter from Philadelphia, where, by the way, uh, submarine sandwiches are called hoagies. She signed a record deal when she was 14 years old, if that tells you anything. She has worked as a sound engineer. She has been classically trained in opera, and now she has been nice enough to supply a song to play on the podcast here, and we really appreciate it. Here is Cosette Gobet. Have a good week. The wind that carries
Uh, like like legal names or <laughs> I don't know.